Genentech believes in asking the big questions, questions that have the power to chip away at inequities in healthcare. For example, why are black women 42% more likely to die of breast cancer, but only represent 3% of participants in clinical trials studying the disease? How can healthcare industry partners address not just the symptoms, but the root causes of an inequitable system? At Genentech, the answers lead to action, like establishing and expanding the Advancing Inclusive Research Site Alliance. This international coalition of clinical research centers is meeting patients in their communities, increasing access to innovative treatments, and working to dispel myths about inclusive research. Learn more about how Genentech is making healthcare more equitable at gene.com slash askbiggerquestions. As a health equity reporter, I've covered the racial disparities in maternal and infant mortality that people of color in America experience. And as a black man, I'm particularly struck by the black maternal and infant mortality crisis. I know the statistics well. Black mothers are about three times more likely to die during childbirth than white mothers are. And black babies die within a year of being born at twice the rate of white babies. The numbers are seared into my brain, and they burn white hot in the back of my head whenever a cousin or some other family member announces that she's pregnant. Of course, I'm happy and excited whenever we get one of those family texts, but I'm also keenly aware of the risks that childbirth poses for black mothers like them and their newborns. Three years ago, my cousin Martine, who I grew up with on Long Island, she went through a scary and frustrating ordeal during her first birth. Her experience was reminiscent of the stories I've heard from husbands who have lost their wives and mothers who have lost their daughters to this American epidemic. It's a story of not being listened to. The medical staff at the New York City Hospital had assured Martine that she had a pretty flawless birth. But when a nurse came to check on her, she expressed that she was experiencing pain. I recently talked to Martine over the phone about her experience. You know, and so I was like, yeah, I'm feeling a little sore for some reason. I'm getting like a little sharp pains, you know, where at the birth site. Um, and she was like, oh, um, no, 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 you shouldn't be having any pain. You're fine. Um, Martine's nurse brushed away her very real pain. As the day progressed, Martine started to feel worse. She was growing increasingly frustrated as well. And then I start to be like, why do you keep saying that I'm not in pain? Like, I'm not feeling good. Um, can I have Tylenol or something? And then she's like, okay, I'll come back. So then she just kept disappearing. Finally, in an attempt to get Martine some better care, her husband flagged down a different nurse. That nurse was black. Martine's previous nurse was Filipino. She's like, are you kidding me right now? She's like, honey. You just had a baby. Like, you you are, if you're in pain, you're in pain. Don't, let te- don't tell anybody to tell you otherwise. Let me take a look at what's going on, do an exam, and see why why it is that you're reporting that. Cause, the nurse know, called in a doctor who gave her a full exam. She goes, well, of course you're in a lot of pain. And she's like, the doctor had noticed some cuts in need of suturing that the medical staff had missed. So basically, you kind of like have a couple of open 
cuts in there. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, it's not like crazy. You guess you didn't tear, but you do have a couple of things going on internally mm-hmm. that need to be fixed. And quite frankly, if we didn't catch this, you could have easily gone like septic kind of thing. Oh, wow. My cousin was telling me about the differences between the first nurse who ignored her pain and the second nurse who looked like her, listened to her, and advocated for her. And Martin reflected on a comment that the black nurse had made about the other nurse's conduct. Like she said it without as many words, but she basically was like, I'm not surprised that's how she treats patients like you. Mm. And I said, well, what is that supposed to mean? And then she, she pointed her skin and I said, you know. My name is Nicholas St. Fleur, and this is Color Code, a podcast about the history and reality of racism in healthcare. This season, we're focusing on health equity issues here on Long Island. My cousin Martine, she was relatively lucky that eventually someone in the hospital did listen to her pain, especially before things got dangerous. And honestly, thinking about her experience, it makes me think a lot about the experience of Denise Williams. Now, for those of you who listened to our first season of Color Code, you'll remember that Denise Williams was a 29-year-old black mother in Queens. She died after she was admitted to a hospital for postpartum depression shortly after giving birth in 2021. And we talked about how her family really picked up the pieces. Today, they continue to fight for justice and for answers. Bruce, we're chosen. The pain is unbearable. But when God chooses you, he gives us the the strength to, to carry on and to to move forward. I could only imagine what it would be like if my family was on the other side of things, if they were the ones protesting outside of hospitals. It's hard to think about. The story of Denise Williams and so many others like her, they sit heavy in our hearts. They leave us asking, what can be done to change this now? How can we fight this now? How can we save lives now? The work to change the way black women and pregnant people and their newborns are treated in hospital systems, it is being done out there. And community members are at the forefront. The National Institute of Health defines infant mortality as a death that occurs between a day and one year after birth. In the U.S., the general infant mortality rate is about five deaths per 1,000 live births. But for black infants, that rate nearly doubles to almost 11 deaths per 1,000. It's the highest of any racial or ethnic group in the country. Now, this may not surprise you, seeing as how we're on episode three of this podcast. But on Long Island, the statistics are also bleak. So as a reminder, there are two counties on Long Island. Nassau, which is closer to the city, and Suffolk, which is more out east. The infant mortality rate for white babies in both Nassau and Suffolk counties is around two deaths 
for every 1,000 live births. But for black babies, the rate is markedly higher. It's around eight to nine deaths. There are disparities seen here for Hispanic babies too. They die at about twice the rate as white babies. To some researchers, infant mortality is sort of this canary in the coal mine of a community's health. Infant mortality is um, considered to be the most sensitive indicator of the health of any population in public health. It's because infants are the most vulnerable members of any society. They can't take care of themselves. And so in general, whenever you see a high infant mortality rate, that tells you something is um, not going well and everything that surrounds that infant. And so that's Martine uh, Hackett, the sociologist you heard in our first episode. She moved to Long Island about 10 years ago. Well, and I, I certainly didn't really see any attention being put to the issues around health equity in Nassau County. So I assumed that, you know, there was no need for it. But eventually, Dr. Hackett's specific background in research on maternal and infant mortality got her curious. And even as someone who could have expected racial disparities between zip codes, she was surprised at just how stark they were here. One of the things that I, you know, noticed is that there really were pretty dramatic differences in health outcomes um, by zip codes here in Nassau County, and that these differences were correlated with race. And this was not a surprise to me, but yet it was a surprise because in, for example, the infant mortality rate, I saw that the, the black infant mortality rate in Nassau County was higher than it is in New York City. And that is not something I had expected. Um, and yet it was true. Um, but what was also true is that um, there were not resources being put in Nassau County to be able to address this disparity. Nassau County is um, one of the wealthiest counties in the state, mm -hmm. uh, if not the country. And Dr. Hackett showed me headline after headline from the local paper Newsday about the horrible infant mortality rates for black babies on Long Island. This is a headline from 1989 that talks about the infant mortality rate has still continued to increase. And again, um, identifying the disparity between uh, black infant mortality four times that of white infant mortality in Nassau County. Um, this article says, amidst, amidst luxury, poor babies dying. So what this um, article talks about is um, the sort of incongruence of a high infant mortality rate in a place like Nassau County. Each time you flip the page, you have little dates on the top and they're getting closer and closer to one when I was born, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Martine noticed that the headlines proclaiming this problem started to disappear. People stopped paying attention, but the grim statistics, they didn't improve. They knew this was here, but it sounds to me like they didn't care. I mean, it's hard for me to, you know, say that, but I, 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 I that's the only conclusion I can come to because, um, there were many opportunities to be able to address this. And so in 2018, Dr. Hackett founded a group called Birth Justice Warriors, based on Long Island, to combat the racial inequities in the region. The organization raises awareness of racial health disparities around birth. They share materials and resources, and in the past have held community events and training on birth justice. One of the things I say about Birth Justice Warriors is that we try to make injustice visible um, because I think that this is an injustice that has been um, purposefully been made invisible. She believes it's not just about what happens in the hospital. It's about the community, the environment, the social determinants of health. 
Like so many other areas of health that we've been reporting on, it's the details of people's daily lives that can sometimes have the biggest impacts on their health. Dr. Hackett used the pandemic as an example of how this plays out time and time again. It wasn't just the fact that people in black neighborhoods or Hispanic neighborhoods were, you know, more susceptible to a virus. It was that they were living in conditions where they were closer to each other, where they couldn't, um, you know, work from home, where they had to be out and um, uh, around other people. The testing only testing facility was in Jones Beach. And if you did not have a car, um, there was no way that you're going to be able to get out to Jones Beach to get tested. After speaking with Dr. Hackett and hearing about her organization, I wanted to learn about some other efforts on Long Island to help improve maternal and infant health. In Suffolk County, which is the larger county and where I live, there is an official task force that investigates maternal mortality. But in Nassau County, there isn't really the same thing. What Nassar does have are community-led efforts to improve maternal and infant care. That's how we came in contact with Jose Seng, a Nassar-based community health worker. Jose and his colleagues connect with pregnant people and parents here. They provide them with food, supplies, and they check in on their physical and mental well-being. They also teach their clients how to advocate for themselves during the birthing process. His clients are mostly Hispanic or from low-income communities. Now, Hispanic people don't have as high rates of maternal mortality as Black people do. But recent data from the CDC has found that from 2020 to 2021, Hispanic women had the largest rate increase in maternal mortality, jumping up 54%. Basically, that means they went from 18 to 28 deaths per 100,000 live births. Jose's efforts are a small way to tackle these disturbing problems that we see with maternal and infant mortality. We tagged along on one of his trips to see a client. Oh, great. Let me call her. I don't know if she lives in the front or the back. It was a cold day in March in Hicksville. We're standing outside the house of one of Jose's clients, a woman named Marcia. Marcia had just given birth to her first baby, Daphne, three months beforehand. There's still snow on the ground, and it's super windy, which you could probably hear on the tape. These are some baby items that I also carry. Oh, great. Diapers. (laughs) Your bag is... This is some baby clothing that somebody donated. Your trunk is full of diapers, clothing, and what are those, formula? A formula. And before, I used to have, like, uh, it doesn't fit anymore, but I had three, like, um, two um, car seats in there. Uh (laughs) Coming out in the snow. (laughs) The people that Jose supports often don't know all of their options when it comes to the birthing process. Advocates like Jose help pregnant people and their families create a birth plan according to their own preferences and needs. He also supports his clients with more basic day-to-day needs, both before and after they give birth. That could include getting food stamps, supplemental income, or Medicaid coverage. They direct resources like food and diapers and regularly drop by to visit clients just to see how they're doing and if they need anything. Jose works for Harmony Healthcare, a network of local health centers across Long Island. Last year, they received a five-year, nearly $4 million grant to promote perinatal and infant community health here in Nassau County. 
It's one of over two dozen organizations across New York State to receive a grant like this from the State Health Department. Similar programs elsewhere in the country have proven successful in helping people give birth safely. One example, called the Nurse Family Partnership, which is aimed at helping first-time mothers, found that these types of interactions did lead to better pregnancy outcomes. The women visited by the nurses had significantly fewer preterm births, which is important because preterm delivery is a leading cause of infant mortality. And we're helping mothers that are um, minority, African-American, and Hispanic women that are, have high mort- mortality rate, and we're trying to help them have a safe pregnancy. The goal is to make some sort of dent in healthcare disparities that exist around childbirth on Long Island. We're trying to educate them. We're trying to get them into the clinics, trying to give them support that they need, whether it be like a reminding them, okay, you should go see your uh, doctor or you have an appointment. We're trying to provide them transportation which we've got a new grant also through Uber, so now we can give them Uber rides them to their medical appointments, which is great. Before, they used to take two buses to go to their medical appointments. Um, we're trying to give them um, also um, car seats. You know, we have Jose uh, is bringing Marcia a stroller, so she can go around and go on walks with Daphne more easily. Marcia lives with extended family in a small house here. On the wall in her living room, there's a large photo of her 20-year-old cousin Isaac in his U.S. Marine uniform. Pet birds chirp in the cage in the corner. Oh, I got that for you. Oh, thank you. Don't say it's Audi. I see. Thank you so much. I'm just showing her. Hola. Oh wow. He's unfolding the. Okay. The stroller. Oh great. Okay. Putting it together. Muchas gracias. ¿Usted cómo se siente? Bien. Todo bien. Todo bien. Sí. No tiene ningún stress, de ansiedad, no, <laughs> un poquito nervioso. No. <laughs> no. So I'm asking her how she's feeling, and asking her if she's stressed, if she has anxiety. She says she doesn't have any anxiety. Um, They've known each other for a few months now. But it was actually another community health worker who helped Marcia initially during the birthing process. Her name is Maria. Coincidentally, she's on maternity leave herself. From the beginning, it, it, she was saying that um, Maria has helped her with the support, helping her to call uh, before her appointments, um, and um, helping her with appointments, um, and just... Um, when at the hospital, Marcia was initially told that she wouldn't be able to walk around once she had been given certain medication. But because she made a birth plan, she was able to show that to the doctors and advocate for herself. The plan also helped her make sure that her partner was in the room with her when she gave birth. And if she didn't have you two, what would navigating the, the birthing process have been like? Mm-hmm. Si, um, si usted no, no tuviera esa ayuda de nosotros, ¿cómo fuera su, su parto? ¿Cómo era si no tenía esa ayuda? Pues solo como me dijeran en el hospital, no podía decir nada. Sí. Um, she said that I would just follow what the hospital is telling me. Sí, como nunca le With the support of a community health worker, Marcia felt more confident going to a hospital. But the program Jose works for, it doesn't just stop there. It's available for two years after somebody has their child. Before we leave, Jose arranges to have a car service pick up Marcia for her next appointment. 
Great. Por ahora solo eso de las citas. Okay. Okay, la cita del Uber, claro. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I asked her, um, I translated it and I said that it's going to be like in, in, like I said, three weeks from now. And I asked her if she needed anything and she said no, that just um, the Uber would be very helpful. As Jose travels to different clients on different parts of Long Island, he sees the stark differences between towns and neighborhoods. Once you start narrowing down to the counties, Nassau County and Suffolk counties, then you get very high mortality rates. And then if you go actually even closer to like the actual um, cities or towns, Hempstead, Roosevelt, Freeport, they're actually even higher and higher as you get there. And, and we, can, we can tell the difference because, because of just the, by the lines of where the one town meets and the other town meets. For example, in Hempstead, we have really high mortality rates. And then just the town next door, Garden City, it's, it's more affluent population and their mortality rates have dropped down. But proximity to affluence doesn't solve problems, especially here on Long Island. It's the lack of resources in the community. It's the, um, the stress levels that they're experiencing, having low paying jobs, having uh, have to work, um, you know, um, two jobs uh, f to support their families um, and um, trying to get access to health care. Um, and that's what we're seeing here. What Jose and Harmony Health are doing, it may seem like just small steps forward, but the impression I've gotten from talking to Marcia is that it's offering a huge help to her and to her growing family. She just seems so thankful to receive that stroller and the supplies from Jose. And hearing her tell us about her birthing plan and how that helped her advocate for herself while she was in the hospital, to me that was powerful. There's something empowering for a mother to be in control of their birthing experience and to know that they can be vocal advocates for themselves and that it's okay to question the medical staff. It reminded me of my cousin's birthing experience and how she had to advocate on her own behalf when the nurses there weren't listening to her pain. Advocating for yourself, having advocates on your behalf, or having a community that can advocate for you it just seems to be so important in tackling these issues of maternal and infant mortality. Now, that's not to say it's the only thing. It certainly isn't in addressing racism and racial bias in medicine. But I think the small steps that we're seeing people like Jose do can potentially help address these issues on Long Island and across the country. If you're interested in hearing more stories about maternal and infant health on Long Island, be on the lookout for a bonus episode that we have coming next week. In that episode, we interview Anna Redfox, an indigenous birth worker with the Shinnecock Nation out on Eastern Long Island. Thank you for listening and being part of our Color Code community. Our team here at STAT is Alyssa Ambrose, Hyacinth Empanado, Teresa Gaffney, and me, Nick St. Fleur. Anil Oza is our intern. Our theme music is by Brian Joel. Teresa Gaffney contributed reporting. Thanks to the Commonwealth Fund for supporting this podcast. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. And if you have any thoughts for us, you can reach us at colorcode at statnews.com. <laughs>